and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types. From a left-wing perspective, it is Saturday, February 17th, 2018. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And yet again, we have another mass shooting to talk about. This one, one of the deadliest or the deadliest in American history. I, I don't know where it ranks. I know it was worse than Columbine. As far as school shootings, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there's that. We have a lot to talk about on the Russia front. We have a couple other things to get to, but, uh, for the first half, we are going to uh, switch gears and talk about our cats. <laughs> we have, uh, five cats between us. <laughs> Their names are Moses, Blixa, Khaleesi, Lestat, and Prince. Yes. Although they like, much like T.S. Eliot says, they have multiple names. Yes. And yes. Lestat is garbage because he's a garbage cat. Uh-huh. And Prince is Meep. Because he meeps at everyone, literally. Mm-hmm. He tries to sound as much like a human child as he can. Blixa also goes by Buddy. Yeah, and he just yells at everyone all the time. Yeah. And Khaleesi just calls Lisi. Yeah. Yeah. And Moses also goes by Mosey. Mosey. Yeah. Got all that? There's going to be a quiz. Okay. <laughs> See, for, for a second, I, I didn't feel so depressed about the state of the world because I was thinking about our cats when we were talking about them. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was, that was a fun moment. <laughs> Now back to reality. Um, no, uh, let's talk about it. It was Marjorie Stoneman, Stoneman Douglas High School in uh, around the Fort Lauderdale area, about an hour or so north of Miami, when I lived in South Florida in Broward County and was a substitute teacher for the whole county. I actually did sub there a couple times. I don't remember how many. I think it was only once or twice. This wow. was like 10 years ago. And um, Is it just like a suburb? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of out west a little bit in the in the burbs. Okay. And um it's your kind of typical American suburban high school. Fair I mean I don't know what it looks like but it's fairly ethnically diverse. Um probably a little more white than most South Florida high schools, but yeah. you know, lots of African American students, lots of Hispanic students. Yeah. It's like sort of a typical suburban South Florida mix. Yeah. You know. Yep. And this former student named Nicholas Cruz um, came in and with uh, AR-15 started shooting the school up. Uh, 17 students are dead, 15 are injured, and um, I don't know. You know, we we do this every time because it's important. <clears throat> There's uh, something feels a little different this time in terms of reaction and response so far. I don't know that that's yeah. going to change anything, but first of all, not to say kids at Columbine or other places were not this, but the the kids that they are talking to are not only eloquent and intelligent and thoughtful, they're they're pretty motivated and they have a pretty strong grasp of the issues. And and Well, I think you have to remember that Columbine was the first widely publicized mass shooting at a yeah. school in the country. Yeah. It was unheard of. Right. And it captured the nation's attention for months for and years. more than months, really. And we talked about it and we talked about it and we, you know, it wasn't a fleeting news story. It was the biggest news of that year. I was in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, I think... 
this is different because we've had so very many since then, including Sandy Hook, which was the murder of grade school children. Um, and there's, <clears throat> I think that the, the kids these days, you know, I love them. Uh, I think everybody's had enough, but they've had enough and they've, because of social media and because of, I think the current political climate and how much everybody talks about politics, probably including at high school and including on their Facebook pages, I think they're, which is kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Um, they're pissed off mm-hmm. and they have every right to be. And they're, they're frustrated just like the rest of us, but this is their lives we're talking about and no one seems to care and they can't vote and they, well, they can't, can soon. Yeah. But they're like, look, you're adults and we're kids. You have to do something to protect us. You just have to. And I think the other thing that marks this really differently from other shootings was because it was a high school and because it's 2018, a lot of the kids were taking video on their smartphones of what was happening at In the time that time. it was happening. Yeah. And those videos have been viewed millions and, and tens of millions of times. And I think it puts us not in a position where we were before, where, you know, Columbine, we watched the kids walk out, we watched the parents surround the school, we watched the SWAT team go in, but we had no interior view of what it was until no, much, there, much later. There was and then some it was grainy just, security mm-hmm. footage, there was some audio. Yeah, but this was like kids yeah, cameras, taking basically. video of themselves talking and of their classmates and of what they were experiencing in real time. And I think that smacks to me of sort of not to be too hyperbolic but the difference between every other war and the Vietnam War right and and where the reporters were embedded and we got to see what war looks like instead of this glorified version of what war looks like and people protested because they were like holy shit that's awful carnage and it's terrible Mm -hmm. this is like we're inside the school and that could be you that could be your kid that could be your niece that could be your grandkid and that's what they're going through yeah you know and it does seem to have, I think, a greater impact on on the country. And this this one does feel a little different to me. It does. There, another difference that I've been noticing <coughs> is that uh, the Republicans who are all big, they take big contributions from the NRA and plenty of Democrats, too. Let's be honest. But Republicans and mass. Get yes. The, the, yes. Vast majority. Which the NRA has become a huge political figure and the amount of money they donate and the ads they put up and and what you're getting is the standard line from Republicans. Like they have it ready. Yep. Like it's too early to talk about whatever. Let's not talk politics, thoughts and prayers. Don't politicize this thoughts and prayers. And that's just kind of being just outright rejected from all corners pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, except for the very small bubble of Fox news and Sean Hannity like even you know Kagro made an important point. I think it was after Newtown uh, when Kagro, I, I I think Olbermann at the time. I I don't know what if he's still at a show or what, but he was going along with it's too it's too early. Let's just stick to the thoughts and prayers thing. Let's not get political. And Kagro was like, no fuck that. Yeah. And Olbermann got pissed and banned him, and you know did. <laughs> Had a Twitter snit about it because let's you know Goldberman at times is a big asshole and an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. face it, mm-hmm. um, he and, certainly is. Right, and and I don't think there's any. There's certainly nobody coming from the left. Whoever is left in the center is not going along with that. I I, I think it's just everybody's it's sick of this much. now. It's 
It's too much. We're, we're not putting up with, because their trick is it's too early to talk about this and then it never gets talked about. Right. It's too early to talk about it, and then why is then, this relevant? And then we've moved on. Why is this relevant? Cares? Why are we talking about this? Right. Second Amendment. Right. Right. And, you know, Marco Rubio, Rubio is trying to weasel his way to find a middle ground. And just when, when he runs he's a, Florida senator. I mean, this is his backyard. Right. And when he and when he when he's put in a corner, he just throws out scripture. Right. That's that's his fault. Well, you know, don't yell at me. Here's a Bible verse. I and mean, then, he is. He is such a coward. It's unbelievable. I know. Uh, I mean, some there's protesters of, put yeah. some billboards on the side of trucks, like uh, semi trucks, or you know those advertising trucks that carry billboards in Florida. They put three of them outside of his office. Good. Um, and I hope they keep it up. Yeah. R- right up through when he's inevitably going to run for president again. Right. He has to answer for this. Right. Uh, he he has taken, I think, up to three million throughout his career. From well, the NRA. Our own Senator Cory Gardner is number five on the list of the top 10 members who've taken the most money from the NRA. Number five. <laughs> it makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense if you don't know anything about Colorado, but it makes a lot of sense if you're the NRA that you give this guy in this purple state who's a pretty solid Republican in a state that's pretty um, pro gun. Uh, at least we have pockets of single issue pro-gun second amendment rights voters um it makes sense to just pour money into his coffers because it's he's got pockets of support we've shown that when we pass um gun rights common sense gun rights regulate or gun control regulation in this state uh the pro-gun people show up and and um recall the the people that did that and the rest of us don't and so he's a good target for them. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but Rubio's on that list too. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, he's getting battered as he should be. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to change anything. I mean, look, I, I, I think the debate is over. It's very pretty much common sense that if it was more, much more difficult or impossible for the general public to get a hold of assault style weapons. Yeah. Then you would not see this kind of carnage. Right. Like if this guy walked in with a handgun, some people would have died. Yes. Probably a fraction of the number that got injured and killed. Yes. Or if he walked in with a knife, obviously, because people are still trying to make that that argument. argument. And, you know, or... (laughs) Or if he drove his car, you know, in the parking lot and mowed some kids down. I mean, look. You know, somebody said earlier, like, this argument, like, well, they'll just find some other way. Like, fuck it. Good. Let them find. Let's make it harder and just stop saying, oh, well, it's fine. I ran into this article from a really good friend of mine who didn't write it but posted it. And I want to read part of it because it's I think it's really relevant to this. Mm-hmm. It's called Fuck You, I Like Guns. <laughs> Uh, America, can we talk? Let's just cut the shit for once and actually talk about what's going on without blustering and pretending we're actually doing a good job at adulting as a country right now. We're not. We're really screwing this whole society thing up and we have to do better. We don't have a choice. People are dying. At this rate, if it's not your kid or mine who's involved in a school shooting, it's not if your kid or mine are involved in a school shooting, it's when. Yeah. One of these things happens every 60 hours on average in the U.S. If you think it can't affect you, you're wrong, dead wrong. So let's talk. I'll start. I'm an Army veteran. 
I like M4s, which are, for all practical purposes, an AR-15, with just a few extra features that people almost never use anyway. I'd say at least 70% of my formal weapons training is on that exact rifle, with the other 30% being split between various and sundry machine guns and grenade launchers. My experience is pretty representative of soldiers of my era. Most of us are really good with an M4, and most of us like it at least reasonably well because it's an objectively good rifle. I was good with an M4, really good. I earned the expert badge every time I went to the range, starting with basic training. This is not uncommon. I can name dozens of other soldiers and veterans I know personally who can say the exact same thing. This rifle is surprisingly easy to use, completely idiot-proof really, has next to no recoil, comes apart and cleans up like a dream, is light to carry around. I'm probably more accurate with it than I would be with pretty much any other weapon in existence. I like this rifle a lot. I like marksmanship as a sport. When I was in the military, I enjoyed combining these two things as often as they'd let me. With all that said, enough is enough. My knee-jerk reaction is to consider weapons like the AR-15 no big deal because it's my default setting. It's where my training lies. It's my normal because I learned how to file a rifle in the Army. You know, while I may only have shot plastic targets on the ranges of Texas, Georgia, and Missouri, that's not what those weapons were designed for, and the targets were not shaped like deer. They were shaped like people. Sometimes we even put little hats on them. You learn to take a gun, a gut shot, center mass, as it's called, because a bigger target than the head, and also because if you maim the enemy soldier rather than killing him cleanly, more of his buddies will come out and get him, and you can shoot them too. Mm. He'll die of those injuries, but it'll take a while, giving you the chance to pick off as many of his compadres as you can. Uh, and those guys aren't shooting you. Right. That's how my drill sergeant explained it anyway. I'm sure there are many schools of thought on it. The fact is, though, when I went through my marksmanship training in the U.S. Army, I was not learning how to be a competition shooter in the Olympics or a good hunter. I was being taught how to kill people as efficiently as possible, and that was never a secret. As an avowed pacifist now, it turns my stomach to type the above words, but can you refute them? I can't. Every weapon that a U.S. Army soldier uses has the express purpose of killing human beings. That is what they are made for. The choice rifle for years has been some variant of what civilians are sold as an AR-15. Mm -hmm. Whether it was an M4 or an M16 matters little. The function is the same, and so is the purpose. These are not deer rifles. They're not no. target rifles. They're no. people-killing rifles. Yes. Let's stop pretending they're not. With this in mind, is anyone surprised that nearly every mass shooter in recent U.S. history has used an AR-15 to commit their crime? And why wouldn't they? High-capacity magazine, ease of loading and unloading, no recoil, really accurate even without a scope, but numerous scopes available for high precision, great from a distance or up close, easy to carry, and readily available. You can buy one at Walmart or just about any sports store, and since they're long guns, I don't believe you have to be more than 18 years old with a valid ID. This rifle was made for the modern mass shooter, especially the young one. If he could custom design a weapon to suit his sinister purposes, he couldn't do a better job than Armalite did with this one already. This rifle is so deadly and so easy to use that no civilian should be able to get their hands on one. We simply don't need these things in society at large. I always find it interesting that when I was in the army, and part of my job was to be incredibly proficient with this exact weapon, I never carried one at any point in garrison other than at the range. Our rifles lived in the arms room cleaned and oiled, ready for the next range day or deployment. We did not carry them around just because we liked them. We didn't bluster on barracks defense on our Second Amendment rights. We tucked our rifles away in the arms room, locked up, until the next time we needed them, just as has been done in, since the Army's inception. The military police protected us from threats in the garrison. 
They had 9mm Berettas to carry. They were the only soldiers who carry weapons in garrison. We trusted them to protect us, and they delivered. That was my dad. With notably rare exceptions, this system has worked well. There are fewer shootings on army posts than in society in general, probably because soldiers are actively discouraged from walking around with rifles, despite being impeccably well-trained with them. Perchance, we could have the largely untrained civilian population take a page from that book. I understand that people want to be able to own guns. That's okay. We just need to really think about how we're managing this. And yes, we have to manage it just as we manage car ownership. People have to get a license to operate a car, and if you operate a car without a license, you're going to get in trouble for that. We manage all things in society that can pose a danger to other people by their misuse. In addition to cars, we manage drugs, alcohol, exotic animals, fireworks, among other things. We restrict what types of businesses can operate in which zones of the city or county. We have a whole system of permitting for just about any activity a person wants to conduct since those activities could affect other people. And we realize, as a society, that we need to try to minimize the risk to other people that comes from the chosen activities of those around them in which they have no say. Gun ownership is the one thing our country collectively refuses to manage, and the result is a lot of dead people. I can't drive a Formula One car to work. It would be really cool to be able to do that, and I could probably cut my commute time by a lot. (laughs) Commute. Hey, I'm a good driver, a responsible Formula One owner. You shouldn't be scared to be on the freeway next to me as I zip around you at 140 miles per hour, leaving your Mazda in a cloud of dust. Why are you scared? Cars don't kill people. People kill people. Mm. Doesn't this sound like bullshit? It is bullshit, and everybody knows. Not one person I know would argue non-ironically that Formula One cars on the freeway are a good idea. Yet these same people will say it's totally okay to own the firearm equivalent because, in the words of comedian Jim Jeffries, fuck you, I like guns. Yes. Yes, I hear you. We have a Second Amendment to the Constitution, which must be held sacrosanct over all other amendments. Dude, no. The Constitution was made to be a malleable document. It is intentionally vague. We can enact gun control laws without infringing on the right to bear arms. You can have your deer rifle. You can have your shotgun that you love to shoot clay pigeons with. You can have your target pistol. Get a license. Get a training course. Recertify at a predetermined interval. You do not need a military-grade rifle. You don't. There's no excuse. Quote, but we're supposed to protect against tyranny. I need the same weapons the military would come at me with. Dude, you know where I can get an Apache helicopter and a paladin? Hook a girl up. Seriously, though, do you really think you'd be able to hold off the government with an individual-level weapon? Because you wouldn't. One grenade and you're toast. Don't have these illusions of standing up to the government and needing military-style rifles for that purpose. You're not going to stand up to the government with this thing. They take you out in about half a second. Let's be honest, you just want a cool toy. And for the vast majority of people, that's all an AR-15 is. It's something fun to take to the range and put some really wicked holes in a piece of paper. Good for you. I know how enjoyable that is. I'm sure for a certain percentage of people, they might not kill anyone driving a Formula One car down the freeway or owning a cheetah as a pet or setting off professional-grade fireworks without a permit. Some people are good with this stuff, and some people are lucky, but those cases don't negate the overall rule. Military-style rifles have been the choice du jour in the incidents that have made our country the mass shootings capital of the world. Formula One cars are not good for commuting. Cheetahs are bitey. Professional-grade fireworks will probably take your hand off. All but one of these are common-sense things to the average American. Let's fix that. Be honest, you don't need that AR-15. Nobody does. Society needs them gone, no matter how good you may be with, you, with yours. Kids are dying, and it's time to stop fucking around. Excellent. Uh, who wrote that again? <clears throat> this was from a blog called... Uh, 
agingmillennialengineer.wordpress.com. Uh, I don't know her name. Well, um, first of all, a lot of people will poo-poo that because it's from a lady. Which I didn't realize until the very end of the article. No, me neither. She said, help a girl out. I was like, oh. Yeah. But But doesn't matter. I I do like that she brought up, like, I can't get an Apache helicopter. Like, that's where the logic just completely falls apart. Where's you going to get a tank? Yeah, when the Republicans are are saying, well, you're not going to change the heart of a murderer just if you take the weapon away. I'm like, okay, well, what? What's to stop us from getting mortars then? Right. Or, you know, handheld rocket launchers, RPGs, Sidewinder missiles. Fuck it. I mean, and to, and to go to more a more logical end, like, why are we bothering with nuclear nonproliferation? If you don't let Kim Jong-un have a nuke, he, he still has conventional weapons. He could still invade South Korea with those. Right. Why are we trying to stop that? Because Isn't that infringing upon his rights in some way? <laughs> well, I don't think they're worried about that. But the, the whole logic is if, if if this kid didn't get hold of an AR-15, he'd find another weapon to murder people with. Right. So, okay, why why nuclear nonproliferation then? Right. Why bother? Right. Who cares? Right. Right. It's you're not going to change Kim Jong-un's heart. He's no. still a dangerous psychopathic murderer. We, you know, right? we can't just stop dictators all the time. They're going to exist and there's nothing we can do about it, so we should stop trying. Well, to that end, why bother with murder laws, right? Right. People I mean, are going to do what they're going to do, so why have laws at all? Right. Why, have why bother? Laws? Why have any laws? People are going to do what they're going to do. Right. And talk to some of my libertarian friends. They'll be like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So anyway, we can go in circles with this, but people are starting to come around to this and realize how insane it is. I hope so. Uh, and and she said it perfectly. There's a reason it's called an assault rifle. Right. Nobody goes deer hunting with an AR-15. And if you are, you're not deer hunting. You're just massacring animals in the forest. Right. And as a person who grew up with a father who's a hunter, who literally goes hunting every season... You would be shunned by the hunting community if you brought a fucking assault rifle out there. Of course. It's not about just spraying bullets into the forest yeah, and hoping it's, something ends up dead. It's about <laughs> marksmanship and ethics. Yeah. And there's a there's a code among of course, hunters. Of course. Of course. So when you hear the excuse of you're, you're attacking, uh, but I, I don't think people say that much anymore. I think more in the early 2000s and late 90s, people use this argument. You're going after the hunters and the marksmen and the sportsmen. Like hunters and marksmen and sportsmen don't use AR-15s and M4s and M16s and AK-47s. It's just not right. It's, it's and not sometimes for marksmanship they do, because, but it's also like again, if you're like an actual like legit marksman, like it's too easy. But there's no. But the point is, there's no reason for the general public to own these. weapons. No, there's not. There's and this is coming isn't. from an army veteran who's an expert at this weapon, who's saying. Why the fuck do you need this? You don't. You don't need it, and you don't really have a right to it. Here, here's the problem. Um, I mean, it's been a it's been a really if we just want to be total cynical politics here for a second, it's been a horrible week for the NRA and the people who the NRA prop up, and they they're just gonna spout the same lines and go hide and wait for this to blow over. The problem is, in another week or a month or a couple months, there's gonna be another one of these. And I, again, we keep circling back to the same thing in that the only way to change this is to vote out the people who allow this to happen and vote in people who will create legislation to change it. Yes. And that starts next November, this November. Yes. I mean, that's it. That's it. we, We can talk till we're blue in the face of what we should do. And, and that's the one thing where I don't cringe, but I just kind of slap my forehead and and I think the kids are smart enough to know they're being rhetorical when they say this, when they say, 
our elected leaders and President Trump do something. Right. Because they know they're not going to do anything. Correct. Because it literally is more, they value the contributions from the NRA more than they value children's lives. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously. And they're willing obviously. to say, like, we are willing to sacrifice children on the altar of the Second Amendment, but it's really the altar of the NRA and their funding, period. Yeah, yeah period. And, you know, I read an article earlier this morning that this, because I keep hearing this argument from the right that it's totally unfair for us to blame the NRA because the NRA, nobody that has committed a mass shooting was a quote member of the NRA as though that's the whole thing. Like having a card as though the NRA's total saturation in public life is not a factor. Yeah. And that's stupid too, because one of these days somebody's going to shoot up a church or a mall or school and they are going to be a card carrying. This kid, then what? Then then this kid, this kid, um, was, uh, as part of when he was not before he was kicked out of school or, part of some school program. Um, he was in the youth marksmanship club sponsored by the, NRA. sponsored by a grant from the NRA. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't fucking talk to me about how it's not them. And also that's just such a, uh, let, of course it is. Let's back up on some really, really bad journalism that, that, uh, came out this week about this kid. Um, this jerk off of this, uh, right wing paramilitary wannabe hate, armed group up in Tallahassee immediately got got on the phone and said, yeah, he's one of us. We trained him. And then some, uh, trolls on 4chan sort of amplified that. Yeah. And everybody in the media ran with it. And I'm going to be honest. I retweeted it because I I saw it on ABC. I saw it on ABC and CNN and the AP. And I was like, must be true. Washington Post and NPR did not post it. Well, there were, I was paying attention to Twitter and there were a couple of people, and I'm sorry I don't remember the names, that put up some warning flags and say, hold on, I don't think this story's been vetted. This guy has yeah. been known to spread bullshit. We yeah. shouldn't run with this. Right. And I probably should have taken that advice too and retweeting it, but who am I? Who fucking cares? But now, Right, I deleted mine as soon as I read that. But it looks like that's completely untrue. It does. Yeah. It does. Now, he, um, what, now there, there, it seemed plausible because in digging in, this, this kid did say some anti-Semitic things and homophobic things and Islamophobic things, things, racially charged things. And there's a new accusation that um, I read that his girlfriend had broken up with him, which had been previously reported by the people, which we're going to get to the FBI in a fucking minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and she started dating a black dude. Oh and boy. they, oh boy. like days before the shooting, they received death threats from him <sighs> and threats of violence. Well, let, let's talk about a little bit more <laughs> about this kid and what we know. There's so much we don't know. Yes. And there's so much misinformation being batted about and there's so many rumors and there's so much conjecture. Let's let's talk about what we do know. He uh, came from an adopted family. Okay. He's 19 years old. He was expelled from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School. I don't know why. Apparently it was a litany of things from what I've read. That's kind of what I understand is a a host of things that just was like you can't. But just not one thing. No. um, He... He has he we know that online he had espoused some violent tendencies, some warnings that he was wanting to shoot up a school. He had an affinity for guns and weapons. He um, owned guns and weapons. He owns gun and, guns and weapons. And family members, uh, members of the adopted family actually tipped off the FBI. That's about, what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. We're, we're, outrageous. Yeah. Th- this is a problem. And th- 
that's maybe the one bipartisan angle we can find in this because, of course, the right hates the FBI now. Uh, but it looks like the FBI, or at least a segment of the FBI, really fucked up. Really fucked up. And they had a statement yesterday where they said as much. Yeah. They said on January 2nd, the FBI was notified of the following things. Like, this kid is violent. He has all the markers for being a mass shooter. He's he's isolated. He's lonely. He's espousing violent language. He owns weapons. He's threatened to shoot up a school. Literally, his family told the FBI this. And local police, I think. Could be. Because I think, I think somebody from the school also reported it. They had multiple reports about this kid. Mm-hmm. Did not pass that information along to the Miami chapter of the FBI. Did literally nothing. Didn't make a phone call. Didn't forward an email. Didn't make a complaint. Didn't do anything. Literally now, sat yeah. on this information and did zero things. Now, we don't know if that's negligence. We don't know if that's laziness. We don't know if it was a bureaucratic meltdown where... The form to they were out of the form that you need to send that or the protocol broke down or I needed to get clearance from my boss and my boss was on vacation for a week. Like we we don't know where the breakdown happened. Right. But there was obviously a huge fucking breakdown. Right. And six I can't weeks believe later, he no then protocol. shot up a school with the gun they said that they had that he had. Yeah. At the school, they said he was likely to shoot up. Yeah. That happened six weeks after they had this tip. Right. So holy shit. Yeah. When the government tells us, if you see something, say something, it's the responsibility of communities to tell us stuff. We can't know everything, blah, blah, blah. And then they have a very, very specific threat. And for six weeks, they do nothing with it. And then that very specific threat is carried out. Yeah. That is a total failure of that agency. Now, now let me, total failure. Let me give you another angle. I don't know this, but I'm willing to probably bet that had this kid been named... Mohammed, uh huh, and or Jaquan, or right, but mm-hmm. but definitely Mohammed, definitely Mohammed, and mm-hmm. he had espoused these things, and he, the 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 person who called him to, on on the FBI about him had said he's been saying Alu Akbar, and he's been reading the Quran a lot, and he's got all these weapons, and, and he said he's going to shoot up the school. Sir, even if they had just said, I, the I same have to believe specific, they would have swooped into action. I agree. I have to believe. Now let's pretend that. Let's let's do another alternate reality where the same thing happened and, you know, it fell through the cracks and nobody alerted it. And, and the kid named Muhammad showed up, shot one student, one yeah. student and said, Alu Akbar, and then was apprehended. The, re- the reaction would have been fucking insane. Well, first of all, he would have been killed on site. Yeah. He would not have been apprehended. He would have been murdered, killed. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. People that are not white do not make it out of mass shooting situations. Most people, in fact, even white people. But we seem to have an awful lot of the white kids that make it out of these. Dylan Roof. Well, this kid had a plan to escape and it worked for a few minutes. Amazingly, he he kind of kind of dropped his gun and then got in with a group of huddling students who were walking out with their hands up. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. he, He had a plan. He had a plan. Now, they identified him and knew who he was. I don't think he made an attempt to cover his face or anything. So, But, he, you know, he, he, he actually was able to walk out of the school and I think stop at a subway or something. And they found him like a mile away, ostensibly trying to get away. And, and he, he, did, uh, he did surrender without a fight once they caught up to him. And then he's admitted. He's, he's confessed. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's confessed. Yeah. He's, yeah. But, now, tell me, this is another factor that I want to talk about. Let's imagine that all of the teachers and janitors in this school are armed. 
And when the SWAT team and the FBI gets there, how do they know who the bad guy is? <laughs> well, this happens, and Kegro talks about this. This is what happened the, at that Walmart. Yeah, the good guy. Yeah, the good guy with the gun got shot yeah, by the cops. At because the they thought he was the bad guy because he was carrying a fucking gun out in Walmart. Because he's know. supposed to. How do you know? It just it hinders law enforcement. Is all it does. Well, these same politicians who are saying this and right wing people, they don't want to up the teacher pay and the, the same teachers have to pay for their own copy paper and, you know, work 80 hour weeks. And now they're supposed to be security guards or soldiers marksmen to, to take out. No, no. I know a lot of teachers. I have a lot of teachers in <laughs> yeah, my both life. Both my parents were. Right. We both do. We have a lot of teachers in our lives. And all of them have said, first of all, I would quit before I would do that. Right. Not I'm doing trying it. to imagine my Not mom doing it. taking marksman courses to take out a school shooter. No. No. Like my dad could do it because he was in the army. I mean, yeah. he was he was in the Air Force and he trained and he knows how to fire an M16 and a sniper rifle. And, and he was MP, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but he's he's the exception. Right. The teachers that I've heard from have said things like, do you go home some days thinking like, okay, how many kids could I fit into the cabinets without alerting the shooters to having taken stuff out so they'd know the kids were in there? How many kids could I get to go over here and, and where could I hide them? And if I stand in the way of them, what to protect them, which I would do in a second, what does that do to my family? Like they go home thinking about this. Yeah, they do. And you know, even my dad, my Republican former military dad, if they came to him with that, he'd be like, fuck no, I don't get paid enough for that. That's not my job. It's not your job. And you'd think your dad wants all the teachers he's known in his life to be carrying weapons around. Oh my God. We should should ask ask him. Yeah. Promise you, you. Promise. How would you feel about Miss Shipley and Mr. Morehouse uh, being packed? Packing heat. Just walking around the school with guns because they're <laughs> going to protect from us. He would laugh. He would be it, horrified. Because the absurdity of it is exactly what it is. I'm sorry to mention names there. Anybody who knows me, forget I said that. <laughs> you don't know who those people are. I'm sure they're retired now anyway. Oh, God. Yeah, I want the ceramics teacher armed. Yeah. Like I have a good friend who's like an arts teacher and she's just as artsy as you could imagine. And I'm sure she's just perfect at her job. And another one who's a drama teacher and she's just amazing. And she's one teacher of the year. And like, it's, it's laughable to me that either of them would ever want to touch a gun, much less own one and carry it around in school in front of children. That's not their fucking job. And it makes no sense. And it's absurd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sort of back to this kid for a moment. Now they're saying he like drew a swastika on his bag or whatever. But look, he's 19 and he's troubled. Yeah. And maybe he had right wing tendencies. That's that's not the issue. Like, I, I don't. So what 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 if this kid, what if he volunteered at the Humane Society and helped, you know, and and, and uh, retirement homes. And that's the only thing they knew about him. And he still shot. I, I don't want him having an AR-15. I don't right. care. Right. But there is a pattern that we also have to talk about, which is toxic fucking male rage. Sure. sure. And toxic white male rage specifically. But we can't. But, but my point is we have to stop the guesswork. We can't go around to every person and say, it's probably okay if you have an AR-15. You, I don't know. You, maybe not so much. You're pro- I mean, no. Just, no. no. Nobody the general have public an doesn't yes. have assault weapons. Correct. And then we're not dealing with this. And yeah, this kid could get hold of a handgun or a shotgun and, and, and go in the school. He'd kill some people for sure. Yeah. 
but not probably not 17. And I think he'd be less likely to be so emboldened to do so yes. knowing that knowing that he's only he might gonna only get a get couple, a couple shots, shots off. off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before somebody tackles him or you know, while he's reloading, he's got to figure jams. out the gun jams. He doesn't really know. This, to her point, the article I read earlier, I didn't know all of that. It's it the it easiest, easy. most idiot proof weapon on earth. That's why it's so popular. Specifically made for killing lots of people at once. Quickly. Yeah. Quickly so, and easily. That's why it's a military weapon. Right. Because not that everybody the in the military, military is weapon. the very best fucking marksman, but all of them need to be able to shoot people if they have to. Yes. All of Americans don't need to be able to shoot people. They don't need to be able to just open fire anytime they feel like it. And the fact that in most states, 18 year olds can get a hold of this because it's a quote long gun. So you're, it's you're a senior in high school and you, you can. Go. I think I'm thinking yeah. about when I was 18 and I couldn't. Oh, my God. I couldn't take care of a goldfish. And I, I and, and you, you said, like, people are going to probably scoff. Oh, he, well, he broke up with his girlfriend. It's like, remember when you were a teenager? That's the biggest thing in the world. If he was already like an isolated, violent, you know, had a shitty life. Even well-adjusted kid. kids, when they go through a breakup, you know, things are crazy and they get super emotional. And it's the biggest thing in the world and it devastating. Is. Yes, yes. Now you hand that person and a, you know, deadly weaponry. Right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And again, we, we it's not just kids. It's we, we can't go through and, and sort of try to figure out okay, it's okay for this person to have military weaponry as a civilian, but maybe not this person. No, no. No, I agree. But the other thing that we have to close on before we get to the break is we have to talk about toxic white male rage because it is the other factor. Okay. What we do to men and what men are allowed to do and how that influences this. This whole argument about mental health is such a fucking bullshit lark. People all over the world and every country on earth have mental health problems at exactly the same rate, and they don't have this problem. Mm. Women have a higher rate of mental health issues than men. They are not mass shooters. No, There I is something really specific to the demographic of mass shooters mm-hmm. that we have got to acknowledge. And this is not to say that all men are going to be mass shooters. Nobody's saying that. But I want to read... A tweet storm from uh, Michael Ian Black that I think is important and I think will, uh, I think it's helpful. I do. Um, because he calls it, uh, basically says boys are broken and I, I agree with him. Uh, give me one sec. Yeah. While she's looking that up, um, you know, we're, we're, the drips and drabs of news about this kid are... Uh, coming out and we know that there were over 20 calls to the Broward Sheriff's office about this guy. Um, we know that the does FBI dropped the ball. Does he have a formal criminal record? I don't know that he does. I, I don't know if I, I don't know. They've, they've, they've done a, it's been a very slap shot job of doing a profile on this kid. They're just taking little bits of info and running with them without really vetting them, Okay, which is part of the problem. So Michael Ian Black is a comedian, uh, and I don't care if you like him or not. This is what he had to say, and I think this is an important thing for us to talk about. He says, Deeper even than the gun problem is this. Boys are broken. Until we fix men, we need to fix the gun problem. The last 50 years redefined womanhood. Women were taught they can be anything. No commensurate movement for men who are still generally locked into the same rigid, outdated model of masculinity, and it's killing us. 
If you want to hurt a man, the first thing you do is attack his masculinity. Mm. Men don't have the language to understand masculinity as anything other than some version of a caveman because no such language exists. The language of masculinity is hopelessly entwined with sexuality, and the language of sexuality is hopelessly entwined with power, agency, and self-worth. So men, and boys before that, don't have language for modes of expression that don't readily conform to traditional standards. To step outside those norms is to take a risk most of us are afraid to take. As a result, a lot of guys spend their lives terrified. We're terrified of being viewed as something other than men. We know ourselves to be men, but don't know how to be our whole selves. A lot of us, me included, either shut off or experience deep shame or rage, or all three. Again, men are terrified. Even talking about this topic invites ridicule because it's so scary for most men and women. Men are adrift, and nobody is talking about it, and nobody's doing anything about it, and it's killing us. That's good. And that is true. And feminism directly addresses it. That's the thing that so many of these men he's talking about, these terrified men that are so entrenched in masculinity and toxic masculinity, hate feminists so much because they're like, what about me? And we're like, no, we, we, yes, we're with you. We want to destroy the idea that men are better than women and men are this and women are that. And traditional gender roles are toxic for both men and women, not even to mention non-binary people. Feminism has, since at least bell hooks, embraced the idea that, that patriarchy is bad for both genders it is bad for men and women it's bad for men because it doesn't allow them to have feelings Mm -hmm. when things like sexual assault happen to them or just assault happen to them they aren't believed or they don't feel like they can talk about it it goes way back when you're a little boy you're told not to cry don't cry don't have feelings toxic masculinities is part of the patriarchy and it's It's part of the problem. And it is, I think, a major factor in these kinds of mass shootings. The rage is a buildup of terror and of fear and of misunderstanding of self. And and it becomes rage. And we have got to figure out a way to address that. And then you combine that with the ability to easily acquire military-grade weaponry. And this is what you get. Yes. So we have a couple minutes before the break. Um, There's going to be a lot of talk. There's going to be Columbine style stuff. Eventually, we're going to we're going to talk about the music he listened to and the his parents. Yeah, you know his mental health because he's white. Um, but this conversation goes back to Columbine, right? I mean, the whole yes. point of bowling for Columbine was yes. At the end of the day, we're talking about all this other shit and how did they have access to these weapons? Yeah. And everybody just kind of shrugs. Eh, it's the second amendment. Nothing we can do about that. Yeah. But and there is every other country's done it. Yeah. They all have. And you know what? The constitution also said that we can own people and we decided we can't do that anymore. So maybe we should think about it being a malleable document. You know, we've, we've amended it multiple times for lots of really good reasons. Well, it's malleable 
to the right when it's convenient to be. When we're I talking mean, we about have breaking limits down on the First Amendment, we have limits on freedom of speech. We have limits on freedom of religion. We have limits on freedom of the press. We have limits on the Fourth Amendment. We have limits on the Fifth Amendment. We have limits of on course. all of these because it yeah. makes logical sense in the modern world. These people wrote this document hundreds of years ago. They did not anticipate the general public being able to buy with a debit card a fucking assault rifle. That's not what they were talking about. Yeah. Well, they couldn't even conceive of these type of weapons or a debit card, but yeah. yes. Or airplanes or right. helicopters or cell phones, any of it. But you know, that's, that's a deeper, more philosophical conversation that, you know, <laughs> sort of just, I mean, there can, can't be one amendment that can have no limits, but every other one of them we've accepted limits on. That doesn't make any sense. No, of course not. And it's just about the NRA. Absolutely. It's political and an economic power of one organization and it's stranglehold over one system, one party. Well, you, you know, what's interesting is this conversation about the NRA has completely drowned out another story that kind of cropped up in the last week or so that, you know, Russia was um, essentially colluding with the NRA in this past election. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to talk a lot about what Russia's doing in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to take a break. We may, uh, I, we may we'll probably move on from this for the time being because we have so much more to cover. We do. In this brief 90 minutes. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. to Reverend Testimony. We're going to switch gears a little bit as it was just yesterday, right? That uh, Robert Mueller's team uh, released indictments against 13 Russian nationals for many things. Yes. Um, At the heart of it, of course, is meddling in the 2016 election. Yes. And wire fraud and identity theft and all kinds of crap. Bank fraud, yep. Uh... What, are we going to do a rage splainer? I can just tell you, it, just quickly, um, when you do something like an indictment or a civil complaint or a criminal complaint of any kind, it becomes public record mm-hmm. unless it is sealed, mm-hmm. um, which is very uncommon. Um, so it's not just that we got the news that these... 13 people, and I think it was three Russian organizations, 
were indicted by Mueller's team, but we got to actually read the 37-page complaint, Yeah, which was incredibly detailed. Oh, yeah. Because it has to be. Because the way that that works is you have to lay out your case. Here's what we're charging you with. Here's what we have, and here's what we're charging you with, right? Here's the indictment. And I believe it went before a grand jury. And the grand jury decided that these would be the 13 indictments, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So a grand jury looked at all the evidence that he has, and all of that evidence is not in the indictment, right? There's much, 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 like the Grand Canyon-sized amount of things that he knows that we don't know. But He even says that in Mm -hmm. the report. that People known to us and not known to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And evidence, too. Yes, yes. Um, But this was just the first little this not little it's it's monumental really um well it it puts some narratives to bed right let's talk about that for a second because the first thing you're going to see is a lot of misdirection today by trump and fox news and their minions uh where they are saying things well they're saying some things that are patently untrue that's always but they're also saying some things that are true but horribly misleading like there's nothing in here that proves collusion with the Trump campaign. Right. That is absolutely true. <clears throat> and they're also saying some other There's thing. nothing in here that says that this directly impacted the results of the election. Which is also true. Which we're going to talk about. But the, the problem with that, if you're not an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> is that the implication here is that the investigation is done. <laughs> Right. Okay. We're the, good. This is the last we thing. We indicted people and they're all Russians. Yeah, it's done. And we're done now the, and it's fine. Yeah. Like this is the last thing that Mueller's going to do and he's going to go home now. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I'm so they sorry. Said, they said that when they. Maga tw- they said that with the Gates. With Gates yeah. and Manafort and Carter. Oh, okay. Always, well, there's your one indictment. We're done now. Oh, well, here. Okay. They had one more. Okay. Well, they had. Okay. There's 13. It's clearly they're done. <laughs> They did 13 well, they, they don't even bother months. saying that. They just imply it to win the try to win the news cycle or to keep their base from freaking out. I, I I'm not sure why they keep doing this. Yeah, I don't know either. But they keep they keep implying that ah, you see, this doesn't this doesn't directly implicate us, so we're we're exonerated. Like right. like Hannity even literally ran a graphic last night that said Trump exonerated. He's not. That also, I, that word does not mean what you think it means. I, I, it's just the silliness of it just confounds me. No, so it's it, not silly. If it's been, deeply cynical and intentional. Well, it's stupid is what it's it is. It's stupid, but it's because, intended like, to. Because it'll be very clear in a matter of days if you somehow believe this that, oh, wait, Mueller's still working. There's still more coming. There's still more investigations. There's more indictments coming. But every... Every one of these, right? This is so intentional on their part. Well, I, I, I hope I hope Trump is really believes this exonerates him. I do too. Because maybe he'll back off wanting to get Can Rosenstein uh-huh. and do some I don't think it will. I think behind the scenes his lawyers are like, shit's getting real now. We we have to yeah. do something. Yeah. But Well, when I first read the just the the charges and I hadn't gotten into the um actual complaint yet, um and I saw like 
money laundering and wire fraud and bank fraud, I was like, oh, fuck. He's so fucked. He's so fucked. Yeah, because oh again, again, there's so oh much, my God, there's so much the one... we haven't got to yet. Yeah. And, and smart people explain this on places like MSNBC and other news places. Like you build a case up, you climb yes, the ladder to the do. big fish. Yes. Like if you want to go back in history and see some of the famous uh, mafia Don mm-hmm. investigations. They didn't just like nab Gotti. They, they first, they got this guy and then they worked up to that guy and then this guy flipped and then they got this guy to yep. flip on another guy. Yep. That, that's how it works. Right. You, you, work you build your way. a Rico investigation, yes. right? And that's what he's doing. In addition to, um, I mean, he's got multiple investigations going on right now. Some of it's Trump's money stuff, mm-hmm. which is most likely going to take him down of, of any of it because it's the most provable and um, reliable in terms of facts and data, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the collusion stuff is a little more nuanced and not as fact data. But in the complaint, it is crazy because it shows that not only did... Mueller have access to he had access to personal emails that some of these Russians were sending between mm-hmm. themselves about this. Yeah. Which means like and they were admitting like, oh, shit, the FBI has us. We're, we're deleting things now. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's unpack some of this. Right. Because most people haven't read this. And certainly most of the people on in the media haven't read the whole thing. Well, I and, hope most of the people in the media have read the entire thing. It's only 37 pages for fuck's sake. No, most have not. I'll guarantee you that. Ugh. But let, let, let's talk about what, what was discovered and what's interesting, right? Yeah. We know that these Russian groups uh, launched these campaigns via social media to do faux grassrootsy events. Right. And Well, let's start from who they actually indicted. So they yeah. indicted three Russian organizations um, that are in Russia, right? Their home base is in Russia. And they are basically like, when we talk about Russian trolls, mm-hmm. these are them. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a guy in somebody's basement. No. These no, are the, people who... <laughs> these are former FSB... Are highly paid yeah. political operatives working out of Russia. They have divisions in their company that's like SEO, which is you know search engine optimization, and HR, and IT, and and all of the social media marketing campaign. It, it's it this is organized very much like a U.S. political campaign. I can tell you, the way that they've organized it is very much like a very high level U.S. political campaign for a candidate. Like they have all the same divisions that we have. They have all the same staff. They have the same goal. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're a foreign fucking government. And they're pretending to be an American organization in order to interfere with our democratic process. And their goals were very clear, right? Yes. During the (laughs) primary, it was to disparage Trump's greatest threats, who they saw as Cruz and Rubio. Yes. And then once the nominations were tow, it was to denigrate Hillary Clinton, pump up Bernie Sanders, and at the very least to to get disgruntled Bernie Sanders supporters to vote third party. So it wasn't necessarily to pump up Bernie Sanders, but it was to sow discontent between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton supporters. It was to to create greater and greater chasms and political divisions between those two Democratic candidates. And it worked. And it worked. And the purpose of it was in order to get Donald Trump elected. It didn't work on a grand scale, but... It worked enough. Enough. And they don't like. It, I mean, it was in a, in a in a grotesque way. It was brilliantly executed. Yes. Planned and executed. You couldn't have 
done it any better. No, but with the, the, such the slimmest margin for error. Right. And a couple of people out of the Hillary Clinton campaign whose names I haven't I don't have on me right now, but they've not they're not anonymous or anything, said the way that this campaign was carried out was better than some of the high level operatives in politics in the US. Oh, absolutely. And the concerning thing there is that um the level of understanding of the nuances of U.S. politics that they had is deeply concerning because there's yeah. very likely. Um, they had American help. American help. We don't know who that is. We don't know. Not yet. It could that be doesn't just, mean it's no one. No. That doesn't mean we're never going to know. It means Robert Mueller hasn't told us yet. Could be Trump operatives. Could be former Democratic operatives. We don't know. Could be just people like people we know who are just operatives for the highest bidder. Doesn't matter. Right. I mean, who I'm knows? sure there's all of it. But what we do know from this specific complaint or this indictment is that um, there is no charge of... At this point with these indictments that any American citizen said, I know that you're a Russian and I want to help you interfere with this election. Not in this indictment. This not in this. That doesn't mean that didn't happen. Right. In this indictment, though, let's just be really clear about facts. This indictment says these Russians pretended to be American citizens and contacted people who were Trump supporters and within the Trump campaign mechanism in some way. And quote unwittingly yes, he's got them to help to him. That. And that's really important because that's different. Yeah unwittingly helping that's like if I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter and someone says, do you want to throw a Bernie Sanders party at your house? Which I did mm -hmm. in the very early days of the primary because I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And if you didn't know, they turned out to be a Russian opera. I would have no way of knowing. I mean, not. it came from the DNC. So I was pretty sure that wasn't the case, but um, yeah, this, this guy they interviewed in, in this Washington post piece, uh, guy named Frisky, who was running for a local assessor's position in Florida, was contacted by this group called uh, Florida for Trump. And they're, they're a Russian group. And they <laughs> put all this social media stuff out about like, we're having this grassroots event here and this event here. And we've got this big truck with a Hillary um, impersonator dressed in prison things and mm -hmm. you should come carry mm -hmm. signs and you're running for office and you're a Trump supporter so bring your supporters and he got there and it was just him and his supporters and nothing else so it wasn't really about the rallies it was about fomenting online and on social media these rallies yeah. right like saying oh my god all these people are going to these rallies and they're having all of this turnout and then when you get there no one's there because that wasn't the fucking point the point was to make the illusion that all these people were coming out and, and these grassroots organizations in these states that might be potentially swing states had all of this momentum for him. Mm -hmm. That is an incredibly nuanced thing about American politics Yeah, to know to do that and to know that actual turnout doesn't matter. And, and they did, they focused to get on the, the publicity Florida and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Ohio. Yes. And how Michigan. Did, I mean, that's you gotta know. You got to know a lot. Yeah. They knew which counties. Mm -hmm. They would follow Trump messaging and Trump rallies with really, really specific to specific district messages that followed a message he had in his rally. Coordination to me seems like the fact the idea that it didn't exist seems absurd. Um, well, let, let's but it's certainly possible. OK, let's talk about let's assume that there was collusion and coordination 
and the reason it would not be in this indictment. Because it, sure. if you don't, first of all, the focus of this indictment is on these groups. Yes. Secondly, if you are making that implication or that charge in this document and bringing mm-hmm. that to the grand jury and you don't have all your evidence on lockdown yet, you, you you're going to lose or you're not going to, you're not going to get the indictments or. Right. So I think it's really strategic for Mueller. I think he said, okay, first of all, this is much more um, low hanging fruit and much less um, impactful yeah. because ultimately these people are never going to get like, sent over from Russia to the no, States not, for prosecution, not right? Them, no. We're not, they're not going to be extradited to the United States and, and actually be prosecuted and serve any kind of prison time or, or fines. This is Unlikely. very symbolic. Yes. This is, this is Mueller saying, I'm letting you know, I know this much. Well, let's talk about, and Trump. it's not for the American people. It is no. not for us. That was not the point of this. Eh, partially, partially, but he's not really a media guy. No, he never no. comes out and says that's not true or what that person said isn't. He just never does. He just doesn't. And there's no leaks. No, because we would have known about this way before now. Yeah, but there's no. There's, it's, only it's, when it was a public filing. Did it we is find a out. sealed unit that Mueller investigation. Yeah, and we found out when he wanted us to find out, and he, we found out what he wanted us to know. And he wants us to know it, but he really wants the people who were working with these Russians to know. I know everything. But it's I, also he put the private email in there. Yeah. That said, fuck, the FBI's on to us. This is not a joke. We're deleting things now. He put that in the indictment yeah. to say, motherfuckers, I have this. Do you think I don't know who's on the other side of it? Do you mm-hmm. think I don't know everybody who mm-hmm. was involved in that conversation? Mm-hmm. Now, you want to talk, talk now, because otherwise other indictments are coming. Let's talk about the str- also the strategy in releasing this now. And the way it was released, you would think this makes it much harder to just try to destroy the Mueller investigation because now what you're saying is here's ironclad proof. And let's go back a little bit, right? It's just not that Trump has been screaming no collusion, no collusion. He's been screaming the the Russians didn't meddle in the election. Yeah. And the Republicans, basically, some of them. Right. And certainly right wing media. They've, they've, they've got to remember Trump's ego is his undoing. It's not just that he's saying I had nothing to do with the Russian meddling. He's saying there probably was no Russian. There wasn't. Or maybe there wasn't. I don't know. If if anything, the Democrats are the ones that colluded with the Russians is what he says. And and then you have people like Byron York and some of these other hacks that are pretending to not know that or forget that when they're tweeting about this. But no, he's, it's, it's verifiable that he's just been denying up and down, not to mention we know just in the past few weeks he's refusing to enact the sanctions for this meddling that were overwhelmingly passed by Congress, like 580-something to four. Yep, because the evidence was so overwhelming. So so now Mueller's made it public. Here's right. the evidence against the Russians proving that they meddled with the election. So you would think that this puts this makes it much tougher because now Mueller has revealed my work here is revealing that, yes, indeed – the Russians have meddled in the election and plan to meddle some more. And then it, I just think it becomes much tougher to Trump to, for Trump to just derail it. Not that he won't try still. Well, his and new, nobody's talking about that angle. Right. Right. I mean, he has been denying this forever. His new, not new, but I guess it is sort of new, 
is like, look, maybe these Russians did some bad things. That's fine. But this document proves that it didn't have any impact on the election. And I would like to talk about that for a minute. <laughs> it certainly doesn't. It, it, yeah. By what verifiable metric can you prove that anything impacted the election? You cannot. No. We can yell and scream about James Comey being an asshole and maybe he was part of why Clinton lost. We can yell and scream about how she was a bad candidate or maybe it had to do with Monica Lewinsky or maybe it had to do with Benghazi or it was really the servers or maybe it was just that she was a woman or maybe it was the reason that we're always going in circles and we there's there there's no metric that's verifiable that is what actually impacted how people voted that that's not a thing that can exist. Well no, people are always looking for a panacea because that that makes it easy, right? Say, but ah, that doesn't here's, exist here's the because we thing. cannot get in the minds of voters inside the voting booth. Well, no, and we also can't uh, be as myopic as to think it was only one thing. It was all these things. Right. It was Comey and the Russians and the stupid server and sexism. They all It all played a role. Right. But saying, oh, just because they attempted to meddle doesn't mean that had any impact. There's no proof of impact. Is like That's like saying... Hillary Clinton and Benghazi, there's no proof of impact. There's no proof that Benghazi had an impact on her electability. That's ridiculous. But again, we're, we're getting so sidetracked arguing in a way that really doesn't impact. I mean, Mueller doesn't care what is going on on MSNBC and the Twitter wars. He's doing his job. And if, yes. if, if, if he's got bombshells to drop and destroy Trump, he will. In the meantime, Democrats should be saying... All their defense that, well, this actually started under Obama back in 2014. Well, there's no proof this did anything. They, they should say, yeah, fine, great, whatever. Now let's all be in agreement that we need to stop Russian meddling and yes. we need to enforce these sanctions. Right. We'll let, we can all agree on that, right? Right. Oh, man, Obama fucked up because he didn't do anything about it. And then Trump didn't yeah. do anything about it. Fine. Okay. Fuck it. Fuck it. Who cares? We, we, we better get on the ball. I sure agree. That that's not a thing. We can't have whatever the fuck his name is out there being like, yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do. They're just better than us. And you're like, wow. Oh, Tillerson. Wow. <laughs> okay. So yeah. we're not going to do anything then. Yeah. No. Tillerson. I mean, what are you going to do really? I mean, that's their argument for everything they don't want to do anything about. Right. Right. What are you going to do really? Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Really but anyway, that there's a couple Democrats that have been saying that, but I really think like, yeah, it's like people think that, okay, well, this bombshell dropped and now we have to win the Twitter war. It's like, no, who fucking cares about the Twitter war? I mean, right. it, it, I, I guess it helps to, in like public perception and the way the media. I want to win the message, which yeah. is there is no way to prove that anything directly impact. There just isn't a, a metric by right. which you can prove that but something impacted the election. I, agreed. The, the fact is that it's a crime for a foreign country to meddle with our elections. Yes. And that is what happened. Yes. And that is what we need to be focused on. Yes. Not whether it worked or it didn't work or how do we prove it. And if we yeah. can't prove and, it, it, and didn't, don't it worry. doesn't fucking matter. Mueller's looking at if they had help from American citizens. Don't yeah. worry. Oh, no. He, he's he, no, on he, the case. They, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he's they on the did. case. He's good. He's good. He's fine. He doesn't care about how this is framed on Twitter. No. Uh, now he cares in as much as will Trump try to derail the investigation, which he will in some form. We just don't know how. And mm -hmm. if we get distracted, Mueller's but, much smarter than him. So uh, Mueller is much. And again, again, I go back to Watergate. If he does a Saturday night massacre, Mueller is not going to stop working. Right. And he's not going to, it's not going to stop him from releasing his findings. Right. So don't worry. I mean, yes, worry, worry, but 
Mueller's not going away. And if you're getting the impression because you absorb enough right wing news that this is the end result of the Mueller investigation, nope. it's not even close. Nope. This is it is step, another opening salvo. This is step one of the big or step stuff. two or three. Of the big stuff. Yeah. Because the we don't really have details of the complaints against Manafort and Gates. Gates. Um and Well well Carter we know Page. they just they just suggested possibly adding more charges to Manafort. Yes. And then it looks like Gates finally did flip and is agreeing to a yes. plea deal. And we know Papadopoulos copped a plea. And we think Mike Flint I mean, there's so much But those are American citizens on. and so there's just more protection for them. This complaint right. was really about these are the things that we know about these foreign actors in our election and they have no protections because they are not American citizens and we can lay bare everything we know about them. And the purpose of that is to scare the shit out of all the people they were emailing yeah. who are American citizens who knew or didn't know, but if they knew and who are they? And I mean, there's a lot we don't know now how cowardly, well, I know the answer, but how cowardly are Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz if after this they still are stonewalling the Russia investigation? I don't understand how any Republican after this could possibly. Oh, well, come on. I mean, the sycophants out there, you know, will Jim Jordan and Gomert. And- People who want a political future outside of a district that's really safe in a red state should take this very seriously and should become their father's Republicans and should say Russia is bad and they interfered with our election and we are going to insist that the president, I mean, that this should be a hard line for conservatives. But, but it's not because they, because they interfered on behalf of the guy they like and against the woman they hate. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you mean so? It's Russia, for fuck's sake. Where? What world do I live in? Where my dad's generation is just like, eh, After the Cold War, it. no, because they didn't really care. It was just a cudgel. If Obama wasn't being tough enough on Russia and Putin, they could use that to hammer fear about they Russia. They didn't. They said, they, this, started, this started before that. This started with Obama with not that he wasn't being hard enough on them, but he wasn't enough like them. And that's where we started to go off the rails with Russia. With this idea that like, Obama is weak and Putin is strong. And Obama is... Well, there was that, you know, and there was also he's not standing up hard enough to Russia. And Putin is a strong man. Yes. And the Republicans love that. Yeah. Right? So there's this... Um, piece that Robert Reich does with this linguist and guy who um, is specifically trying to help Democrats with messaging. But he does it from like a neuroscience perspective and he talks about the way that we can be more effective at breaking the Republican message cycle Mm -hmm. and about how, why the two things are different and how they're really values based. And I think that we're going to do a deep dive on that next week because I want to talk about it because it's something that you and I talk about a lot is messaging and why we're so fucking bad at it and why they're yes. so good at it. Yeah. But if you guys want to look it up, just look up the Robert Reich strict father, um, morality. And, and it really goes into the, the value structures of, of messaging, um, and about why somebody like Putin would suddenly capture the favor of the Republican party Versus Obama and how that's going to bleed over into Trump. And and I think we will do a deep dive into that next week. But 
everybody should listen to it first so that we okay. can just sort of talk about it. Back but to, back to sort of wrap. But that strong man mentality yeah. is something that Republicans cling to because it's like you should listen to dad and whatever dad says is the best and that's what we should do. And we've got Obama who's trying to be like nurturing and help the community and help the country. And that's just averse to how their value set is. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's what's important, right? Let's, let's talk about what this actually means. Yeah. The 13, uh, charged it, it, it hopefully more or less puts to bed this whole idea that's kind of been pervasive that, Russians didn't actually meddle. Right. So That's bec- done. Because, because you notice Trump and Fox and Hannity are not, at least Trump, for um, it, importantly, I, I thought he might respond with, it's all lies. It's all lies. He did not. <laughs> he did not. No. He's, he said, It's important that he did not. Yeah, it's important that yes. he did not. He, he and Fox has gone along with this, and Republican mouthpieces are saying, uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's no collusion in there. Right. Fine. Right. Fine. Now let's talk about what we do know. We know that Papadopoulos actually approached uh, the Russians to try to collude and that now he has is has been charged and is cooperating. Yes. <laughs> OK. Yep. We know that. We know that Donald Trump Jr. set up a meeting yes. uh, under the guise that Russian intelligence had dirt on his father's political rival. Mm-hmm. We know that. Yes. OK. So. If we know that, imagine what Mueller knows. Right. And the case he's building. <laughs> right. So I, I doubt you're a, you're a Trump MAGA person who's listening, but if you happen to be or your MAGA uncle is now blowing up your Facebook saying, see, no collusion. Yeah. Just understand that. See, it didn't work anyway. It, there was it, no effect on the election. And right. there wasn't any collusion anyway. And Russians are awful. And it's no different than what the Soviets did back in the 60s. Right. This is the big thing. Sure. Just, just. No, that no, no. They, they're 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 no. expressing a lot of wishful thinking that this is it. Yeah, and now they can move on. They're and it's hoping done. that we that they can convince enough people that this is it. That's a, that, I don't see the I, point I, of I that because it's point. not going to convince no. Mueller that this is. It. But <laughs> no. maybe like you said, they win a news cycle. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like, not. It's work. all about just winning the news cycle and then survive another day and deal with the next crisis tomorrow. I think they're they're just in constant I triage. So yeah, I do too. So their only triage here is to say. <laughs> Well, this doesn't say anything about collusion, so let's scream no collusion. Right. And that's that's all they got. Right. Uh, it, w- again, implying that this is it. This is it. We're this done. It. It's done. This is what we Mueller's found. investigation is completed. And we're, we're clear. We're, we're off the finished. hook. Woo. Good thing. <laughs> no. And they're not denying no. it because it's, it's such concrete evidence that you can't. Well, I don't even think Trump put enough, even that much thought into it. I think he just, just read like... So, somebody summarized it and said, "Good news. Good news. This doesn't, doesn't implicate, implicate you, you or it, your campaign." It says unwitting. Dupes. It says unwitting. They you're, didn't know. You're, you're, and then, We're okay. And then so he just blasts out, "No Great. collusion. No collusion. We're no good. collusion. We're good." So that's where the right is coming from on this. They're they're either showing false or, bravado. Do you think they're or, stupid and they think that because he said unwitting in this memo or in this complaint that, that it's all over that he doesn't have. It? But he's been doing this all along. Like when 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 Gates was indicted, like he had the same reaction. See, this this has nothing to do with me. Right. Or, or you know. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But but what this this does do, it lays bare, it destroys this idea that there was no meddling. Meddling. Right. And it, it also makes clear that 
boy, these Russians knew a lot. Like Way you said, more than most. Well, I would say ninety-eight percent of Americans know yeah. about the nuance of the political process in this country. Yeah, um, which proves nothing, but it's nope, interesting, right? It is interesting, and that and, and that's all we know. Yep. We also know that Mueller has Papadopoulos. That Gates is about to flip. That mm-hmm. he's putting pressure on Manafort to flip, mm-hmm. and that he's got and Flynn's kind of fucked. And Flynn's kind of fucked, and he's got God knows what else. Yeah. This is just. The beginning. Yes. And everybody that I know is like, this is taking so long. Yeah. And I'm like, it's actually going pretty quickly. Patience, my loves, patience. Yeah. We're just getting started. So I also want to pivot uh, to something that's sort of related in that we've, we've between the massacre in Florida and this revelation, we've completely gone off the rails off track in terms of the, uh, Security clearance um, scandals. Right. Uh, in terms of, I forget the guy's name now, the wife beater. Rob Porter. Rob Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has sort of tipped off, which we kind of knew and forgot about, but that's tipped off the media to say like, hey, kind of nobody has this. Who doesn't secu- have them? Yeah. Or shouldn't have it. Or is working right. off temporary clearances. Right. Right. And now, uh, to be clear, the president can give you security clearance without any of it. The president can can because the president is able to declassify information to whomever he wants, whenever he wants, he would be able to say, fuck the background check, just do it. But he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to actually be responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. So he's they're just temporary and we're just working still and don't worry about but it. But in the meantime, they get all this classified they do. information. They do. So if you are a intelligence hawk. Yeah. What do you think of that? Right. Right. These people who we really. I mean, remember the, the, you, the you lost your. This is one of those norms, right? That like you don't let people work in the White House that don't have a full vetting from the National Security Administration, like the, the intelligence community in this country, because that could be potentially really dangerous. Now, remember, everybody lost their mind because <laughs> supposedly with Hillary's private server, it might mean some classified information might be mishandled and the media lost their mind because six emails were retroactively classified classified after the fact Mm -hmm. and like no now you have a hundred plus people running around getting classified info that don't have it's 130 that don't have security that do not have security not official security clearances from from the fbi and we're starting to find out reasons why that is yeah and so how much classified and top secret information do you think they have that they shouldn't have and given this is a huge fucking deal, it's a huge fucking deal. And it's barely, we're barely scratching the surface and even talking about it. Yes. And people are really starting to ask tough questions about Kushner. Yes. And he again, does seem to be, he's got a lot of debt. He just like, completed some big deal, which was a debt deal for him. And, and it's very shady. Him and, and Ivanka are like 200 million in Hawk. Yeah. And, then one of their businesses, I think, interests, has like some other like billion dollar price tag on it, and and you're like, okay, you can't be in the White House. <laughs> well, you can be in the residence, yeah, but you can't like. And they are be in the meetings now in the Trump orbit. There's so much obvious money laundering. Yeah, and and if if we can connect those dots, what do you think, Mueller? <laughs> I don't know anything. I only know little bits, and, and I'm like, and Mueller, we know has been subpoenaing 
financial records. Well, which was it Manafort's house that he did an early dawn raid yeah. of his financial records of his yeah. personal home? Oh, Manafort's fucked. Like that that wasn't about Russian documents. That was about money. Mm-hmm. That was about Well, it money. links it links to Russians. Of They're course it does. But it's Russians. all links to the Russians. But th- this I think Manafort's was really about money laundering and mobbed up money. There's a name Okay, you guys listening out there, if you listen to K-Grow, you, you know this. If you happen to listen to us and not K-Grow, which would be weird. Um, <laughs> a lot, I there's, there's a name that you're going to become very familiar with over the next few months, I think. And that's Felix Sater. Yes. And this has kind of been the bag man between Trump and the Russians and the whole Trump orbit. And tell me who that is. Um, he's a Russian mobster money launderer guy. Yeah. And how Basically. is he connected to them? Do we know? Oh, he's he's been in business with them for years. Is this the guy who he helps them with the move to yeah. set up the shell real yeah, estate yeah, stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Among yeah, other yeah, things, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so much of this; it's it's beyond belief, and the media hasn't really touched on it for whatever reason. And let's give context just for a minute about like this is all illegal, right? Regardless of whether <laughs> you're the laundry, president, yes, it's okay. very illegal. Very illegal. Setting up shell companies for bogus real estate transactions so that you can move your launder Russian mob, mob money, money into the U.S. into the and U.S. Then back to the Ru- yeah, that's that's that so, is that is basic like drug dealer Pablo right. Escobar gangster shit. So people o- must only be wondering. The Russian government is involved in it. So to so give people it their are wondering why has he if he's been doing this for years, why has he been able? Why are we just now learning about it? And the answer to that question is he was not a public, he wasn't in public office. He wasn't the president. No. I don't even think Trump understands. He was a casino owner, real estate He guy. was some rich white dude who had a bunch of money and a bunch of connections and laundered money, which happens literally all the time. Yeah. And it's hard to prove. And you don't get a Mueller to go investigate every rich asshole who's probably laundering money. No, you, you uh, and, sometimes get state <clears throat> attorneys. Right. And then which they were investigating. Trump, they were. By the way. Yes. But the the reason it's not there seems to be this perception from the center and from the right that like, oh, we're just making this stuff up because he's president now. And it's like, no, the thing is. And, and this is also why he feels like I didn't do anything wrong. I've been doing this my whole life and nobody cared. And every time somebody cared, I got away with it. This is so different because you yeah. became the fucking president. OK, th- there's a show I highly recommend. It's called yes. Billions. Yes. And while that focuses on like insider trading and hedge funds, the 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 mechanisms of yes. looking up these kind of white collar crimes and the way they're prosecuted and the way politics is involved is really interesting. Really interesting and will give you a good idea of how difficult it is and how much power these rich men have mm-hmm. and how little power and resources the DOJ has and the battle sort of between the two mm-hmm. and how often it may not always turn out on the side right. of justice. Now, it's highly <clears throat> dramatized and there's a lot of soap opera to it's it. It's really fucking good, though. It's really good. And the acting is extraordinary. Paul Giamatti's in it, uh, the guy from Homeland. But but from a legal it's aspect, great. the it's, way yeah, these things work. It's really, really good. Yeah. Because really, even really like I, I, you know, like career professionals have gone to record like, yeah, this show's pretty, pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. No, it is. <laughs> Unlike House of Cards where it's sort of fantasy. Right. Like with some that shit totally happens. Yeah. Thrown in. Some of it. <laughs> some of it. But, but Billions is kind of spot on in terms of that. It is. But it really is like a, a hard. um it makes sense that Trump would feel invincible because he's mm-hmm. been doing this his whole life and getting away with it his whole life. Right. And now he's a president. And he, I think for him, if I'm just going to like psychoanalyze him for a minute, mm-hmm. he's like, well, 
fuck, now I'm the president. Now I have even more protection. Yeah. Nobody can touch me, not realizing it's the opposite of that. Once he took this highly public office, now everything is public and every he doesn't yeah. have and, any and he hasn't been citizen, keeping a low profile. He doesn't have any citizen protections. He doesn't no. have any of that. So everything gets to be known. And I don't think he's ready for that. And I I don't think he fully understands what that transition from billionaire businessman money laundering mobster to president is and how that's going to be really bad for him Yeah, and how much and when he's like that would be the final straw if Miller looked to my finances you're like no no that okay that's not how that works of course he's going to look at your finances and that doesn't give you the right to fire him and if you did that would be illegal and and he wouldn't stop no and then who's to say Mueller is on already coordinating with the New York uh course he is state's attorney oh of course he is and the other states where he's, he's gotten everything that they anyone that's ever looked into him new jersey new york everybody the I, moscow I, embassy i don't the, think yeah. i mean everybody the sec uh, all of it that that's the thing right i i, I honestly and i i could be wrong about this but i don't think that the punditry and the media and the talking heads and even people in congress some of them do Certainly, I think like, you know, Schiff knows and Trey Gowdy mm-hmm. knows. Yeah. Yeah. But like most people don't have understand what's coming down the pike. Yeah. And that's understandable because the 24 seven cable news people are working around the clock just to cover the headlines of the day. Right. They, they rarely get to step back and see the bigger picture. Yes. Like we do because it's right. not our life. Right. Um, it, but th- <laughs> this is people are going to be slack jawed. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think it will be extraordinary. And it's already extraordinary to me that he hasn't taken greater steps to halt the investigation. And the reason that, that going back to my point, the reason that we don't have this is because he's not a politician. He truly believes he has some kind of insulation from prosecution. Well, I don't know that him and the people around him are competent enough to really derail the investigation and he wants but he, I don't think he feels that he needs to I really believe that he thinks I didn't do anything wrong I did what I've been doing no my I entire agree life. I agree I agree and so why would I fucking look into it I don't care don't look at my money because he fucking knows that shit's illegal oh yeah but look at anything else oh yeah he doesn't understand emoluments and he doesn't no. understand abuses of power no. and collusion collusion with and it doesn't I so didn't what do the else, Russians so gave what? me dirt on Hillary yeah but and so the Russians wanted me to win and I won. Who cares? Like yeah. he doesn't get that, but he knows about the money part. And he's like, don't talk and talk about money. No. Yeah. He understands money. That's why we don't have tax returns from him. He's, he <laughs> understands that he has very legal things going on with money. Mm-hmm. He just understands that he's been getting away with it for so long. And, and by, I think and by he the believes way, he further will get away with it. Uh, newsflash, Mueller has his tax returns. Of course he does. Those are very easy to get. Of course he One does. call to the IRS yep. and a subpoena and yep. done. Yep. Of course he does. Of course he does. Of course he does. It's the first thing he did. And we will see those eventually. Yes. Inevitably. Of course. So again, the- We're the, just getting started, The less. reason the media and the punditry treats this big Mueller bombshell as the be all end all is because that's all they've got so far. But it is a big deal. It is a huge deal. It lays bare a lot of things that disprove a lot of the propaganda coming out of and, the Republican Party. And opens Party. up a lot of doors. Yes, it does. Because when and you- And scares when the, you, the shit out of a lot of people they want to talk to. Yeah. On purpose. Mm-hmm. On purpose. And, and we're going to hear more about that in the coming days. But not from Mueller. 
That shit no. sealed so tight. Holy God. That is on lockdown. He is, he is on like, a remember, tight ship remember over there. Ken Starr, who couldn't have enough cameras in his oh face. Oh, my God. And was leaking Mueller, shit everywhere. There's no, there's no leaks. If there... No. Well, that was kind of Ken Starr's strategy was let's build this big public case. Because I want to hear from more women and I want to hear from more right, things and right. more people who hate them. And then when I'm not working. Yeah. I mean, I guess it worked into they got him, you know, impeached, but he didn't his he was more popular than ever afterwards. And they yeah. lost the Republicans lost Congress afterwards. Yeah. But he, you know, he got the impeachment. He did. And, and this was and over this is, lying about a blowjob. Yep. Remember that. Yep. Remember when the shit hits the fan with everything we learn about the Trump crime syndicate that we impeached Bill Clinton because he lied about he getting lied a blowjob from, blow from an intern in the Oval Office, which is perjury. But that's what this is all about. That's, lying about sex should never be perjury as far as I'm concerned. Well, he should have just never gone in front of the grand jury, but he should have just said it's none of your fucking business. Well, <laughs> you would it's have none to, of your fucking business. You would have to plead the fifth to do that. No. It's none of your business. Have you ever seen The Contender? We have to watch that movie. It's my favorite. I think so. But everyone I, has to watch it. Anyway, uh, that's going to about do it for us. Uh, did you want to keep going or do we have things to do or we do. Okay. So yeah, that is going to wrap it up. Uh, I, oh, I would be remiss if I didn't say the middle music and the end music is, I've got some questions. What is that? It's my band, Married a Dead Man. Yes. Married go, a Dead Man. Go to marriedadeadman.com or look us up on Facebook. Married yes. a Dead Man. Not married the dead man, not or married I to married a, dead, a dead, dead man or married to a dead yeah, man or I got married to a dead man or someone's married to some man that's dead. It's married a dead man. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's the band. Yes. So check it out if you're interested. All right. Uh, find us at Irreverent Duo on Twitter, Irreverent Testimony at gmail.com. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Talk to you next week. Bye.